Mic check, mic check. This is the Mac Daddy. One, two. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, one, two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Letterbox Book Club. My name is Claire. And I'm Mackenzie. And today we will be discussing The Night Circus by Erin... Erin Morgenstein. Mor- I thought it was Morgan Stern. Morgan Stern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no I. Or is this, or is this the Mandela effect? No, there's no I. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> there's no I in team except for the I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. I'm going to use that. Okay. <laughs> Whenever the opportunity arises. We are discussing this book because if our calculations are correct, tomorrow would be my birthday. And this is my birthday, you know, recommendation. Happy birthday, Claire. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then in December, Kenzie will have the same respect. Uh, that's a few months away. The respect. <laughs> the respect. <laughs> All right. All Kenzie, kick us off with the blurb, please. I will. The circus arrives without warning. No announcement is preceded. It is simply there when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Le Cirque de Reves, which I'm probably not pronouncing correctly, but uh, that is okay. <laughs> and it is only open at night. But behind the scenes, a fierce competition is underway, a duel between two young magicians, Celia and Marco, who have been trained since childhood expressly for this purpose by their mercurial instructors. Unbeknownst to them, this is a game in which only one can be left standing, and the circus is but the stage for a remarkable battle of imagination and will. Despite themselves, however, Celia and Marco tumble headfirst into love, a deep magical love that makes the lights flicker and the room grow warm whenever they so much as brush hands. True love or not, the game must play out and the fates of everyone involved from the cast of extraordinary circus performance to the patrons hang in the balance, suspended as precariously as the daring acrobats overhead. Love that. And just before we continue... I got Google Translate to come in clutch for us. Oh, cool. <laughs> Le Cirque des Rêves. Le Cirque des Rêves. I was right. <laughs> the Circus of Dreams. Yeah. There's a lot of French words in this book as well, and um, I don't really know French, nor do I know how to pronounce anything. So, like, Does your brain just go, shoop de doop doop Yeah, I just acknowledge <laughs> it as is. Or I just say it like, yeah. Le Cirque des Rêves, as okay. you just said. Quite. But, yeah, there's a lot of French words and, like, French names, and, like, mm. yeah, they were just words to me that I acknowledged. Speaking of dreams, would you like me to include my revelation, my 2am revelation in the podcast or do you want me to save it for afterwards? How bizarre or embarrassed are you going to feel after when you say it? I don't care, it's hilarious. <laughs> then just say it, alright? Okay. Quick book pause, Kenzie had an epiphany apparently. So I had an epiphany last night, so as you all know I am pregante with child and this can cause you to have really weird dreams. Anyway, last night I had a really weird dream and I woke up and I was like, <gasps> and I was like, I need to tell Claire. <laughs> anyway, so my revelation was this, in Disney movies... <laughs> There are always five pivotal characters in each story. Okay, I'm with you. Okay. And so in my head, I was like, all right, Lilo and Stitch. It's Lilo, Stitch, the two aliens, and then like Nani or whatever her name is. Like a miscellaneous side character. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, all right, Pocahontas, Pocahontas, John Smith, that redhead guy, and then the two little sidekicks. Critters, like, the, the raccoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was doing heaps. I was like, um, 
oh, what's another one I was doing? I did something. Anyway, there was always just like five characters and I was like, yeah, I've like busted Disney's ass, but like theoretically like. <laughs> no, I've noticed that too. It's like Disney shows. Yes. Like, like, you know, Zack and Cody, you got Zack and yeah. Cody, oh, well, Zack and Cody and like Sweet Life and Deck, you got Zack and Cody mm. and then you got like what, uh, Ashley Tisdale's character, mm-hmm. Brenda Song's character and then Mr. Mosby. Like yeah, yeah. You could take any Disney movie. There's, it's like five yeah, main and characters. Then the yeah. Hannah Montana show. It's Miley, Lily, their friend Oliver, whatever the name is, the Jackson. brother, and then the dad. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I understand yeah. that. It's like oh, a pattern. It's like a structure. Yeah, but I was like, I didn't know why. I was like thinking of that, but I was like, I thought like I woke up and I was like, this is a gold mine. <laughs> I was like, I've, 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 I've done it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I've, I've noticed that and recognized that. Like. Years ago, not twice, oh, cool. but oh, okay. I've never never said it out loud. But no, I agree with you, Kenzie. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So if anyone else feels like that, leave a comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something about like a good structure or a good formula. Yeah. But no, I get that. Anyway. <laughs> like even Wizards of Waverly Place, like their entire family. Yeah. And then, well, maybe like Harper more so than one of the parents. But yeah, you know, we get it. Back to the book. Unpause. Thoughts, feelings and emotions, Kenzie. Um, because it's your birthday. I'm scared. No, Kenzie, don't start with that. I feel really mean. And now I feel like I need to pick a shit book for my birthday so that we can both shit on it together. Anyway, I um, I really did not enjoy this book. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. It was a hard slog. Um, I nearly DNF'd it a couple of times. <laughs> um, I have six pages of notes. <laughs> But yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. That's you right. tell me what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> I do agree it was a slog, but I did enjoy it in the end. What might be like unattractive about it, which I find really great, was like the sense of disjointedness within the throughout the book and the pacing. But it's not disjointed in the sense of between past, present and future, just disjointed between the character perspectives Mm. and perspectives on events and I can see how some people might not like that or find that really confusing but um like I enjoyed it I I do admit that some characters that we meet like in the beginning or even in the middle they become kind of significant at the end and it's like Mm -hmm. well I don't didn't really care about you in the beginning so why are you so important now and then also yeah like I'd forget about them and I'd be like who is this person like for example like bailey like his whole little spiel in the beginning i'm like i don't care so i'm gonna skim through you and then yeah he obviously becomes significant in the end and um and sukiko i think Mm -hmm. that's what you say Mm -hmm. yeah like especially like she like i thought she was just gonna be just some sort of obviously performer but then she had some a more significant role in the end. i feel like there was also like too many characters for the story that was trying to be told as well but then also like with the twins i like understood their significance but then it was like when one like is born after midnight and can see the future and one is born before midnight you're like okay well like you can see the past like it's pretty like black and white stock stand it's like oh okay that's their power (laughs) yeah i thought it was still quite charming and enchanting um there wasn't much of the love story blossoming it just like it just happens and then but there is parts where like it does time skip like 10 years ahead 30 years ahead Mm. but it's all cohesive and in chronological order yeah but yeah there is no real relationship development as such Mm. between our two main characters but um 
yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that disjointed aspects of it. Mm. There are some perspectives where I don't really care about. I enjoyed the unraveling of the twists and turns and the information and stuff mm-hmm. about the circus and how it's controlled and manipulated and just how everyone plays their little part in it as well. Like, I enjoyed it overall. I agree it's a slog. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did enjoy the, like, aspect of it and I did tell you that it um, reminded me very much of, like, Miss Pellegrin's School for Peculiar Children like in that everyone has like their own sort of power thing their own speciality and they're kind of stuck in this not really like I'm gonna call it a time loop thing I guess okay yeah like they're stuck in this circus loop (laughs) yeah I liked that aspect of it but yeah the time jumps didn't really make a lot of sense to me because you don't like yeah it's like the 10 the 30 years or whatever but then like nothing's really explained about what happens in that time (laughs) it's like oh okay let's just skip ahead for shits and gigs nor nothing's significantly changed the circus is still around but they're just in different eras and like obviously different i suppose other events are happening within that time yeah it just becomes like a mundanity ever revolving of the same thing but no yeah ultimately yeah i liked the unraveling and like little bits of information and you know we learned about how we learned about like Alexander's past students slash winners and all that stuff. And um, there were moments where I liked where the chapter is written in second point of view. So like you walk in, you see this, you do that. In those chapters, I thought it led us to like the final catalyst or like a final performance, but it's just us, the readers embracing the circus as to how it was ended and how it still is. I think this was part of it for me, especially about, the story just felt so disjointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I kind of liked that aspect, and I can see why, yeah, you're disappointed in that. Yeah. I was just like, give me some succinct timeline. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> give, give me chronological order, everything yeah. Tell me everything. Yeah. Let's talk the main characters. I guess. Celia and Mako. Initial thoughts about them. What do you think? Two different schools of magic. Raised... Yeah, in juxtaposing uh, training worlds, I guess. And just Um, livelihoods. Yeah, and livelihoods. That's the word I was looking for, sorry. Um, And just that I was saying that I I enjoyed that part of it where it was your fate is chosen for you. Like you can't, you don't have control of your life per se because they were just like put into this competition without even knowing that they're in this competition. But yeah, like Celia is like raised and trained, sorry, by Hector, etc. And then Marco is an orphan. <laughs> the orphan just cuts it, you know? Yeah, that's all you need it to works. <laughs> And it's like, um, I did have as well, though, but I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Oh, no, I think this, much like the book, I think this podcast might be disjointed until okay. we talk about it, so um, just go for it. I think I just need to look we'll in match my the notes. So in the end, Celia is able to do this magic that her father wasn't able to do that ultimately turned him into ghostly figure. Essentially, like an apparition. <laughs> yeah, like an apparition. Like, yeah, I don't really understand it, but that's fine. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it essentially shows that she has become a better magician than her father. And then I think that lends into the um, school of thought that you can have control of your destiny and you can control which way your life goes. It's just about having the right 
mechanisms to get there. <laughs> sure, and considering that the whole point of this book or this competition was for one of them to die, yeah, yeah. they definitely dodged the destiny bullet for sure. Yeah, I've said the story ultimately is about love and power and what happens when uh, love and power come together and what happens when a person is cho- is forced to choose between the two and how an outside world cannot remain unaffected in a story where two people essentially must fight to the death but then fall in love and what that then means for their sacrifices and who is going to fall and who is going to stay and, like, do you take a side or... <laughs> and then you just become that miscellaneous side character at the end that just facilitates everything and, like, no consequence. Yeah. Easy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it was that easy from the beginning. Yeah. I didn't like how... Well, like, I liked how, in the end, Bailey is given that choice of, like, do you want to do this? Because... That gives him the autonomy that Celia and Marco weren't given. But then I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, like this circus should not continue. Like, let these people go. <laughs> yeah, like for sure. I agree with that. I was a little bit kind of angry at the end because it's, it's really selfish to mm. keep holding on to that. And it's like, sure, the circus, you know, it created its own like literal fan base and stuff. And like it brings people joy and wonder and amusement. But yeah, it's pretty selfish to be tied to it forever and have this random kid who you've just, well, I suppose, kind of, they've kind of decided who is going to run the joint anyway. I know. And then I felt like, I felt like it wasn't really succinctly written who Bailey was. Like, it's just like a kid, yeah, who likes the circus, but then like he didn't really, and then falls in love, but then it didn't really, uh, I don't know, have a significance in the story overall. I don't know if maybe like he's meant to represent the reader and then it's like, well, we want the circus to continue because we like the story or, like... I think maybe it's just because he was so tired with these this, the two decisions of either going to Harvard or, like, running the family farm that, like, the circus was an other option and, yeah, he It's like, how about genuine. I take neither option? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But, like, neither option would still end up being at the farm, I suppose. Yeah. There's always going to be a wrong choice. But I think he just found that, like, wonder and amusement and his first interaction with, like, Poppet um you know it kind of ignited something in him i guess and then yeah it's then it just became his destiny to hold on to it forever but yeah ultimately the circus should have just been let go like let your legacy die gracefully as well yeah because also then because we're stuck in this night circus world or whatever i didn't quite understand i was like are you guys immortal um, or like do you just exist within the confines of the circus or like well yeah well it's all controlled that aspect is controlled by marco yeah. Like his power through the bonfire is making everyone age incredibly slowly. And that in itself... And then itself, because I know when, like, he fucks it up, like, it all starts to kind of crumble. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, I feel like at that point, like, yeah, make that decision to just be like, okay, we're going to die. <laughs> We've been doing this long enough. <laughs> Probably not necessarily die, but, like, you know, in any sort of media story where, I don't know, someone is holding, there's, like... A, um, a life force that they're holding on to and when that breaks you know they all shrivel up and die like yeah I don't think that would happen but yeah it was frustrating to see that like yeah it was set up to ultimately be a game or yeah. a competition between Marco and Celia and then all these people were inadvertently involved and like that all their minds are being manipulated against their will and all that type of stuff it just yeah. seemed really like what was the point yeah and like yeah it, was, it just wasn't really fair to them either and like you can recognize that as you're reading it like yeah it's just so not fair that these people have to suffer 
through Celia and Marco's actions, but also it's a Mr. A's actions and Hector's action- actions. Yeah, they're conspirators. But yeah, and I did get a little bit confused reading it as well. It's like a very sophisticated and like profound book as well. Yeah. Um, but I suppose I liked the whole unraveling things because you would wonder, all right, well, how did the circus travel? Circus travel? Oh, it traveled by train. Cool. And then later on, you learn that Celia is the one who controls the train. And then it's like when you start to realize that the other circus members, performers are like in a way trapped, but not trapped, but not entirely stuck as well. And you think, all right, well, how is that possible? And then you learn that oh, Marco controls that sort of aspect as well. I have this written down as well, where, yeah, it again, lending into the disjointedness, you are given information like, oh, it travels, like, for, yeah, example, that's the best one, probably, how does it travel? It travels on a train. Okay, blah, 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 a little bit later. Okay, Celia um, controls that. And then... I feel like I was just being told a lot of information and not shown a lot of information. And it just really took me back to that high school, like, show, don't tell in your essay vibes. <laughs> yeah, probably more so for Celia, not so much for Marco, because you get a lot of examples or evidence of Marco manipulating someone's memory then and there during his conversations with people. But yeah, you don't necessarily see Celia pack, the tr- the, pack everything up and, like... Or there probably was a scene where... Like, the train stops and, like, just the canvas and the roofs just, like, flutter open and all that type of stuff. But then there's a scene where they're actually on the train moving and it's like, what? Yeah, no, very interesting. I also really enjoyed, but feel free to circle back to this if you have something more to say. Um, I enjoyed that it's about a book about sort of, like, musicians or people with these magical talents and they're trying to just hide it or disguise it within the modern world. Mm, yeah. And there's just a lot of... <laughs> emphasis on dialogues and themes of people will see what they want to see and believe what they want to believe um and some people like don't care how things happen they just like the the journey or the the emotion that brings that comes from it just like with um the clockmaker guy yeah mr um what's his face yes yes frederick theason yeah, like, because he was take he was he adored like Celia, but he would never ask how she did her magic or if the magic was actually real and all that stuff. He just loved the wonderment of it. Yeah, the one, the was... one, shh, 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 shh. The clock, the clock, clock. man. <laughs> I have it written down, but I don't know how to pronounce it, so <laughs> I just said the wunch. <laughs> yeah, I just liked ultimately. It's a magical world where all the magicians or re- the real talented people are just like you know, you know guising or hiding their talent magical talents from the from the eye eyes of the public and I thought that was like great and really subtle which also ultimately I liked the contrast between yeah Marco and Celia's systems as well because Marco is all about the charming and the spell binding to his books and his like physical objects and charms and then yeah Celia is able to manipulate the elements around her and create illusions um as well um but yeah yeah I enjoyed those aspects I was really annoyed early on when we found out that Marco figured out she was his opponent because I felt like well how is this fair that he gets to have this sort of upper hand knowledge and it took Celia a long time for her to yeah, figure that out. Yeah didn't enjoy that it had to be a competition. Yeah no it's yeah. I just yeah like why couldn't they have just I mean I guess conflict in stories and blah and I always like I feel like in every book I'm like I don't understand why it had to be this but it's people the plot it's like we wouldn't have the yeah, plot yeah. without it but it's like yeah why couldn't they have just realized okay these two have complimentary magic let's just like lay it out for them and explain it and then somehow 
like figure out a way for them to be able to do this together but then of course they were like "Ooh, competition blah 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 <laughs> and i suppose yeah you learn at the very end when mr a or mr alexander was talking to widget it's like oh it just came down to you know he had a very stubborn student celia's father and they just had very differing beliefs and systems on magic and which system is far superior in terms of endurance and skill and blah 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 and it just turned into, I suppose, just an ego pissing contest. Yeah, of course. When which which suffered real life consequences because magicians actually died for this shit. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I said, what did I have? I had something. Oh yeah, I again with this. I just don't feel like Celia and Marco. I was gonna say Margot. <laughs> um, hey, their, Barbie. <laughs> yeah, their love story. Like, I don't know how this was marketed as a love story because yeah. I feel like it doesn't happen right until the end. Like, I don't know, 100 pages from the end. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, it just comes kind of out of nowhere. And it's just like suddenly, ooh, I love you. And like, yes, it's beautifully written. And like, I love the way that Marco feels for Celia. And like, that's beautifully written. But I just, like, I feel like it should have been, I don't know, marketed as a mystery or something with like... Sure love on the side or whatever like how we were saying you know these days in books especially on book talk when they're advertised like they're promoting story books and it's like enemies to lovers like blah 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 and it's like don't tell me like just let me read it <laughs> yeah it's just tropes galore yeah and then where's the surprise as yeah because well? you want to yeah figure that shit out yeah and i felt like marco's love for celia was written or ha- it was more highlighted than celia's love for marco yeah i like it leads me to wonder if, you know, the final draft was taken in to the editors and then they're like, we need a love story. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> and then so she was like, okay. I mean, it could have just been, yeah, just two challenges without the love implication of it. Mm. And then, yeah, there was ultimately no real consequence to their love anyway yeah. in terms of the circus. I don't know. And I think maybe it's just because of the juxtaposition or the, the comparison. The difference between their schools of magic and stuff. Mm. I just found that, like, when reading it, I felt like Celia worked harder than Marco, despite Marco not being completely involved in the circus. And yet, there are moments where he thought like he was winning and like she was winning. I don't know, but I suppose that's up for the reader to kind of think about or to ascertain a winner in that sense. But yeah, it just seems yeah, and different. then oh, also, I don't know what I was going to say before, but sorry. you can go ahead. I was just going to say, is that awesome? not just then lending to just her being female. Yeah, like she has to bend over backwards and he gets to just be there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and like, he's she's gorgeous. She's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And he's there. And he's there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I was going to say before, yeah, I don't think yet yeah, Celia and Marco's love story were was like believable. Yeah. In a way. And also, but there were subtleties obviously leading to it because obviously the blurb explains like, you know, two lovers engage in battle or whatever. And then you get you know, interactions with Isabel, who's a fortune teller, and, like, a few times she'd pull a card in for Marco and it would be, like, a lover's card and, like, she recognised then and there, like, all right, it's not for her, it's for Celia or for somebody else. And then just, like, everyone else pitching in about how they knew, like, other circus performers are, like, they knew about the game in a way without being explicitly told. But I suppose Tsukiko, it's different because she was a past winner and she could probably recognise it. But, like, with, I suppose, and Isabel was was told but then like mr barris him knowing about it in a way it was almost like it just came across as everyone knew about it except celia and marco 
And so again, that thing, downfall of why couldn't we have just explained it to them and then gone about it in a different way. And yeah, there are rules to this game, allegedly. (laughs) Like there's no interference, they're not allowed to work with each other. It's not like 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 a, like a battle or a duel a magic duel or anything but it's just like who can sustain the magic i suppose the longest and all that type of stuff because it's not about the performance at all or anything itself or like yeah even hector was like it's not about how many rooms you make it's about how long you can hold on for yeah or i suppose how how can you compare that sort of stamina to someone who just writes in a book yeah exactly and just, and just, and just keeps the book well hidden and not destroyed you know um what was I going to say? And then, yeah, the, again, the it's yeah not about how many rooms you make or how cool it is or whatever, but then when they were using, what is it, the tent of the labyrinth, the labyrinth, and then showing their, it's like, complementary, yeah, magics and their collaborations together. And I was like, see, that's what it could be. <laughs> like... <laughs> And then you can just have a magical circus that everyone profits from. Yeah, no one has and then to because die. you would think as well that if they're destined to duel and only one can win or whatever, it's like you wouldn't think that their magics would be complementary. Yeah, no, no. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't appreciate the vaguety when Marco confronts um, Alexander and or when Celia confronts her father. Because, like, they can be as as like vague to the characters as they want but i'm the reader i'm dumb like you gotta tell me what the rules are let me know what's going on and i'm happy for the characters to like figure everything out on their own literally yeah spell it out like (laughs) yeah yeah spell it out for me but yeah keep the characters in the dark and then yeah just took celia longer to figure everything out as well and yeah i just thought marco had that advantage in terms of him knowing who she was before she knew who he was but and then I found when he would approach her to try and have a chat and stuff, and obviously that's when kind of like maybe his infatuation with her starts to blossom. You think, oh, well, could this be a trap because he knows that she's his opponent and like he's only using doing this in order to, I don't know, find a way to destroy her in a way. So it comes across as ingenuine in that sense. Yeah. And then poor Isabel in the crossfire. Yeah. She just wants to love a guy. And I know, guy. like she's just been scorned. <laughs> yeah. But then we learn that... Oh, I think it would have been her, but after when Isabel like blows the crystals or whatever in Marco's face, and and Sukiko talks to Marco, she said she kind of implied that Isabel was a past student as well. Unless you missed that, I don't know, I or I could be I very may wrong. Have missed that. No, I I think I missed that. <laughs> it was because it was almost like when like it was just after revealed. Ah, that's that Sukiko was like a past student, and then it's like, oh, we both were. And so, oh yeah, but yeah, yeah no, but that just, just went... then it just seems like it's too much. In adv- though it may not be direct interference, it's just too much meddling. Yeah, but I really enjoyed the the f- kind of first half where it was like how the circus was established, the learnings and teachings of Celia and Marco growing up. Like I found that quite nice. But then yeah, it got to a point where I was like, all right, where are we getting to this duel or battle or whatever? Yeah, that's so what I thought it was gonna be. That's another thing that I have in my notes that as much as it feels like a disjointed story, there is a lot going on and I did enjoy that the story was enthralling and I wanted to know what was happening and when it was ending. But then, yeah, you have in the forefront of your mind the whole time, like, okay, well, I know that the jewel is coming. I know that something is coming. When is that coming? And just every time you think it's getting to the end, (laughs) it does not arrive. (laughs) When you think it's getting to the end, you get Bailey's useless chapter and you're like, fuck off. Yeah, and it's not a big book. (laughs) No, it's not. So it's just one of those things that's like, this 
is annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, but yeah, I liked that almost half the book is the build-up and, like, how it was made and how Marco and Celia, you know, become involved. Celia auditioning, Marco being the assistant to Chandresh, who pretty much, it was his idea to start the circus. I was actually really upset when it figured out that Marco was really manipulating Chandresh's mind and memory and stuff because he's just the proprietor at the end of the day, like... He doesn't need to know the goings on, and he yeah. himself, and he himself is a magician in his own right, and it's like everyone else seemed to be highlighted, but him in a way, which yeah, I found that quite upsetting. And then the poor guy, you know, he he killed a man for essentially no reason out of his own conspiracy. This is why, as well, I just didn't understand why in the end Bailey would want to become the proprietor. I don't know. Keep the and dream I just alive. didn't understand where the circus went from there. Yeah, I agree. Just like let the legacy die gracefully. And then because there's, like, emphasis on how because the circus has continued or whatever, like, they can continue on the legacy of Marco and Celia. And it's like, okay, but it wasn't, like, their love or whatever. But it wasn't about their love. <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it wasn't their love that drove the circus. It was their, yeah, obviously initial competition with each other that made the mm. circus so great. about the competition and... The rivalry again. Now that there's no competition, I just don't. See, I don't. Know, I just don't see where it goes from there. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, yeah, what happens to the rest of the folks? Are they just they're just stuck there forever now? But maybe I I would like to imagine Bailey would approach them with a similar choice that Celia and Marco offered him. Like, all right, well, this is what's happened. Assuming he tells everybody the truth, because no one tells anybody the fucking truth. <laughs> no. <laughs> And then he would offer them that choice of like, all right, you know all this. Would you want to stay and perform for like the rest of your life? Yeah. Probably not rest of your life, but, but yeah, if, if Poppet and Widget are anything to go by, like they can find other magicians or just breed them, you know? Breed them. <laughs> <laughs> Never ending circus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yup. We're going there. Claire's taking it to a new level. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I loved the details, but the details could have been so overwhelming. Like, when they went into each room, and then you'd find out later on, oh, Celia built that, or Marco built that. Yeah, it's again, it's like, I just, yeah, I don't, why delay the information? <laughs> <laughs> the unravel, I think it's just the, that air of mystery, and just the, like, slowly unraveling it as it goes. But yeah, I still quite enjoyed that, but yeah, all of the rooms, like, it was just sick and bro. I know, it got to a point where I was like, I can't DNF this. <laughs> but also I don't want to finish it and so there was a lot of skimming involved but <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I almost wish that there was a sequel that All right, what, would, what would be the sequel it would just be that the circus ended <laughs> just first page yeah like I don't know like I think I'd like to see something about how they've repaired I don't know like how I guess like at the end like it wasn't about the competition or whatever but like they've healed from that and I don't know, maybe I would like to see a few people leave, like maybe the twins. Right. Because, yeah, the whole circus did come from, like, a nefarious intention. And yeah, and nice I would like to, it to like, be, like, on. Bailey has, like, aged, obviously, slowly, but, like, gotten to, like, a nice old age or whatever. Or maybe starts his own circus. Yeah, and either starts his own or has decided, he's like, okay, this is where I'm at, like, I feel this way, blah, blah, blah. At this point, would we all like to continue or like I put like Bailey could be like I'm stepping away where do we go from here 
or it even could have been like in the in the end there could be like a little a couple page epilogue be like 60 years from now the circus just never showed up again yeah like that could be a thing yeah to end it all it could have been yeah like i don't know like a person who i don't know bailey 2.0 or whatever saying yeah oh every year like the circus or like every five years the circus comes here or whatever but then on that like time it hit the time it was meant to be that like it didn't come or they have contacts essentially in that fan base and they could just you know spread word through the fan base that like it's just stopped or it's just never appeared again yeah it's like time to start your own guys (laughs) i liked yeah the magical aspect of it and everything um i did like how it seemed like there was well through other character perspectives there was this like big conspiracy and stuff like because you get the burgess sisters and all that and their little conflicts and their stories and stuff and how tara died because she was trying to she realized that like something like is going on and she feels stuck but yeah not quite stuck or trapped or anything but then yeah the ultimate consequence was death and they're like ultimately that's on marco but let's just gloss over it (laughs) oh but yeah he acknowledges it though to celia because like the bonfire is there to protect everyone within this within the circus and she wasn't quite in the circus but not quite a patron either so it was just very awkward. But yeah. And then when Isabel broke her little charm and that ultimately got Thiersen killed, it's like too many, too much death already. I also don't know what genre this falls under because it's like... I'd say fantasy. Yeah, like it's mystery but also fantasy. But like, I don't know. It's just I guess it's just the genre of fantasy that we read. Because when I think about fantasy, I think about like fairies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Think about how the Barbie movie has been described as a fantasy. And, like, you look at it and it's like a modern world story. Like, how could that be fantasy? But, yeah, you can think of it like that. Or, like, alternate universe or whatever. Alt fantasy AU. Any other, anything else you want to, like, kind of talk about? I think I got all my notes out of the way. (laughs) Without destroying you too much. (laughs) I apologise. Yeah, I suppose I liked throughout the book how, you know, we get hints of, obviously, through Isabel and her fortune-telling and Poppet's, I suppose, premonitions or seeing into the future that we we get the build-up to the outcome of, like, the little explosion and stuff and then it actually happening. Like, I liked that aspect. Because I suppose that even though their destiny was one of them to die, like, there was, I suppose, death that fulfilled it anyway. Yeah, I liked that because, yeah... It wasn't explicitly one of you has to die. It was just like <laughs> death in general. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose with that, and if the circus was the venue for this t- this contest, then the venue itself should have, yeah, like burned to the ground in a very symbolic way. I was thinking to myself as well earlier. I was like, I haven't pooped today. I was like, I bet I'm going to have to poop at the most inconvenient time. <laughs> <laughs> you just manifested that for yourself. Yeah. I was like, it's either going to be like right at the end of podcast or right in the middle. <laughs> Anyway, okay, I have something else that I wanted to bring up. Um, I think that this is always going to happen now, where um, we are a few years off 30. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> and we the are books used aren't to... made for us. Yeah, we oh, are used no. to reading new adult books, and this is very much a young adult book. And so, yeah, I think it's just not made for us. And like you just said, it's... <laughs> the competition, this competition was... Uh, had been held for like 30 odd years so there's the gradual upbringing though i would hardly <laughs> I I would hardly <laughs> all right miss skimmer flew over your head <laughs> um but yeah i just don't think that this book is written for our 
age demographic. <laughs> and so I think disagree, but okay. yeah, that like yeah made me struggle more as well. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, there, it was just a lot of like writing aspects to it. Again, disjointed perspectives. We got a whole timeline which I didn't really care about, and then we get every now and then a second perspective chapter about us, the reader. And, yeah, I can understand, yeah, that disjointedness can make it very unappealing. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this book could make a pretty good movie. Oh, for sure, yeah. In my mind. Like, I can, like, it could be as, you know, incredibly spectacular and stuff. Or not a TV show, but, yeah, definitely a movie. Like, it would be very good on, it would translate well in a cinematic. Yeah, 100%. I think that it lends itself to, yeah, be translated very well to a silver screen. Um, But... I just don't think it reads well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think there's a huge theme in this book, which is more of a revelation towards the end. Just like the theme of timing, because that gets brought up a little bit towards the end. Like, um, I think Isabel said that the day she met Marco, she was late for her train. And then Bailey was late to the circus in order to save it, in a way. And um, I don't know, that just had like a little bit of profound meaning and significance yeah, and considering there's a lot of moments in this book where aspects of the circus seems to be, like, frozen in time in itself. Um, and, like, performers who have died or passed away, like, they're, they're almost immortalised through their really slow-moving statues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I felt it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then, you know, when it was in the second perspective or second point of view chapters and, like, you'd read... The, you'd, you'd viewed an illusionist... Perf- or, no, or maybe it was Bailey... Like, there was an illusionist performance and then there was a statue that read... It implied that that statue was Celia, in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it was pretty cool. And then that's when you thought, oh, well, she died. But then in the end, the more it goes on, you think, oh, well, then Marco must have died and she must have died of old age or something. But no, it never occurred to me that both of them would have died. But they broke the curse regardless. Good <laughs> on them. Alrighty, I don't really know what else to say. I think we've expressed it we well. Not a lot start. of plot stuff, which is good. All right, we're going to go to the stars that listen. We read a one-star review and a five-star review from Goodreads for shits and gigs. Start off the one review first because we want to end on a positive note Do you go first? Just because I just put a toffee in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let me me grab it. All right, my one-star review. Well, I gave it 40% before giving up. Uninteresting characters and a plotting storyline do not make... Do not a good read make. Okay. The one thing this novel has going for it is its atmosphere. And it is as it in spades. <laughs> <laughs> and it as it in spades. That's what it says. Unfortunately, the build-up that I was so excited about early on hasn't really led to something I care about. It's probably accurate to say that the most interesting character in this novel is the circus itself. And that just isn't enough for me. Yeah, the circus had a lot of personality. Almost had an aneurysm reading that, but alright. <laughs> My one star is... Nothing happened in this book. You know when you start reading and the writing is magical and you feel like you're in a fairy tale because the author's sentences flow like flower petals in the wind and then you keep on reading and reading and the writing is still magical but also nothing has really happened and then you're at the end of the book where the writing is still magical but nothing happened. (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, the ultimate sacrifice for them both being tied to the circus forever. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Who would have thought? Alright, my five-star review, although it says five stars, but it's written 4.5. Okay. I think because you can't do 0.5. Then just do four. Oh, I suppose you've got to carry it up or whatever. Anyway, 
I've not read anything like this before. It was magical, mysterious, and also more emotional than I was expecting. I loved it. It was such an enchanting read. I also loved the time period it was set in. I love the Victorian era. It wasn't quite Victorian era, yeah. but sure. <laughs> <laughs> it ended in like 1902 or 3 or something. And like, that's not Victorian. This is like us saying medieval for fantasy, though. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is like us saying medieval, but it's 1901. Yeah. <laughs> the Federation <laughs> I was like, why is it medieval, but there's cars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why is it medieval, but there's actual indoor plumbing? <laughs> Uh, my five star is I have quite honestly never had the pleasure of reading a more beautiful book I want to go back to the beginning and read all over again I just have no words which I don't agree with but good on you (laughs) (laughs) glad you feel that way alrighty and then that concludes this episode of Letterboxd Book Club as always thank you for listening Um, find us on Instagram at letterboxd underscore book underscore club from there our link tree is in our bio where you'll find us in all the other places that are important um and if you're listening leave a comment and wish claire a happy happy birthday she is turning <laughs> 45 no i'm joking <laughs> yeah, no, hey i wouldn't hear the end of it yeah as you said we're almost coming close to 30 and like my dad's fiance is constantly reminding me and it's like it's like so far away still bro yeah no, like, always... like what are you doing yeah. i'm like i don't know i'm always like i'm not gonna feel old until i'm 55 but as i the closer i get like obviously it's 20 plus years away yeah yeah <laughs> but sure, it's like sure, the sure. closer i get i'm just like no like i just keep pushing that out <laughs> yeah anyway yes thank you yeah. all for listening check us out next week for i don't know what because i haven't thought that far ahead that's uh, okay we'll no get there. M- maybe from blood nash the new from blood nash oh yes yes yes, yes, yes. Oh, jesus oh sorry <laughs> excitement hurts my ears all right catch us out okay catch us next week catch us out right. <laughs> <laughs> Light it up. bye bye